Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on the two cents of Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers joining us from the road for the first hour before he's got to go do some blues hockey. As tonight, Drew Bannister, interim head coach, looks to pick up his third win. It's going to come against a, a, a quality opponent, although the Lightning struggling a little bit, at least at least from what we know of them, Jamie. They're, they're what, 14 and 13? 14, 13, and 5, I think, on the year. So certainly not the start that we're accustomed to or the NHL is accustomed to with the Lightning. Uh, but so far, so good for Drew Bannister and the Blues. We haven't had, we didn't have an, an opportunity to talk to you yesterday following the win over the Stars, Jamie. Two games, small sample, but that sample is pretty good right now for Drew Bannister. What, what's the one thing that you've pulled out of the two games that has stood out? Uh, well, I think just a, more of a complete effort from puck drop to final buzzer. You know, the first 10 minutes against the Dallas Stars was certainly daunting. That's a hell of a hockey team. And you found yourself in a hole early, and you had to dig yourself out. But there was resiliency there. You know, the Blues, that was the first time this year they'd come back from multiple goals in, in a game and, and to win it. Yeah. So it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I believe that the message is is pretty much the same right now as it was. I just think the delivery and, you know, maybe some of the strategies are a little bit different as far as, you know, how to get from A to B as far as a team is concerned. I know the penalty kill was huge the other night against the Dallas Stars, killed off a, a couple of massive penalties or power plays rather for the Stars and and that helped and you had a you had a uh, to say the least you had a motivated Jordan Cairo mm-hmm. to come back and play and he played his butt off man he really did he played hard uh, the guys kind of you know for lack of better words you know, rallied around the moment for him I felt the energy in the building against Dallas that the fans were just waiting for something great to happen from Cairo in order to show their approval of their player and Look, man, St. Louis fans are not stupid, and the one thing that they are is forgiving. And that's what I'll say. I played here for a long time. I've lived in St. Louis for, guys, since 1993. And the one thing I can tell you about St. Louis sports fans is they're going to hold you accountable Mm -hmm. to the point where you can't just say anything you want and get away with it. And if you're saying something that they don't agree with, they're going to let you know. But on the flip side of that, if, uh, if you're just honest with them, just honest. And, you know, Cairo had his his breakdown moment after the game, and I think people at that point were like, hey, you know what? We got our pound of flesh. Now it's start. it's time to start 
the you know, the comeback story because St. Louis loves a comeback story. The blue collar towns, blue collar people love people the underdog. They just love it. And Jordan Kyrie responded. He had a hell of a game, had a hell of an effort, and then <laughs> surprised the hell out of me after the game with his interview, <laughs> Anthony. I'll tell you that much. That was a broadcast first for me. Were you looking there. for the dump button? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of sitting there going, okay. Uh, in my head, here's what it is. I wasn't looking for the dump button, but in my head as it happened, I was like, wow, I wonder if somebody's on the dump button back in the truck. <laughs> I'm sure they Little were. did I know, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But you know what? The young lad was, was caught up in the moment. And honestly, to take you behind the curtain a little bit for that, I knew I wanted to give Jordan Kyrou the platform. You know, what it looked like, who knows? But it was really, it was time for Jordan Cairo to have a conversation with the fans. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about me or anything that I had to offer. It, it was about, okay, Cairo's the first star now. He's had a tough go two games ago getting booed. He has a heck of a game tonight. He's first star. I just want to give him the microphone. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Cairo doesn't have a lot to say, usually in interviews. He's very reserved and, and kind of soft-spoken. And so for him to come firing out like that with the first three words being, you know, things I can't repeat right now, I was like kind of taken aback, kind of giggling. And at the same time, honestly, I was kind of like, get it, man. Get it. Get some. This is your moment. Get out there and get some. So that was kind of uh, an entertaining post game, to say the least. Yeah, no kidding. I, so now so now the question is, and it's the question that, that nobody can answer, it's can Jordan Cairo continue to play this way? Can this Blues team find consistency under Drew Bannister? We all love Chief. They weren't consistent under Chief. And we, and we can sit here and have the conversation about well, are they matching expectations to that point, even following the losing streak? They were. Nobody nobody thought that this, this was a cup team. Nobody thought that this was a Western Conference championship team. We all thought that they were going to be a fringe playoff team, or at least most of us. That's what they've been. But the one thing that they've lacked has been consistency. So they win They win the two games under Drew Bannister. Cairo has his moment. One, one game in which he's emotional, and then the next game in which he's – He's dishing, you know, he's got he's got a couple of dishes, he's got the goal. Excellent. Can this team find consistency? And Jamie, we just we we won't know until we know. We can't sit here and say, yeah, now we're gonna find here's parts parts of the games that 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 we know they're gonna find consistent. No, it's the same group of players. Can they continue to play with that same effort that you were just talking about? Because they look like a more confident team, or at least a more motivated team than what we've seen for most of the year. Now we'll find out as they hit the road here if that can continue. Yeah, so what's the one thing that every athlete can control, Anthony? Their effort. There you go. I mean, really, this is not – unfortunately, it cost a good man his job, and now it's giving another coach an opportunity to seize the moment. And so let's keep the coaching stuff to the outside because, you know, a lot of that is just noise right now. People are still comparing the two and wanting to know the difference and why and all this stuff. Look, the decision's been made. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You've got a new head coach in his spot. He's got to do a job. Ultimately, every head coach is, is is as successful as the team lets him be because the coaches can't go out there and play. They can't. So you ask the question of, like, can they be more consistent? Yeah, they can. Will they be? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Will they be? I don't know. Yeah. But can they be? Absolutely. And if you look at... If you look at just the season overall, no matter who you put behind the bench, the last two games in, in particular we're going to highlight because, for well, for obvious reasons, but if you just look at the season overall, it's kind of been a tale of two teams where you have some nights where you're like, wow, this team, 
I mean, they, they're going to compete, man. They're going to be in the playoffs. I mean, if they make the playoffs, they could, they could do some damage. Mm-hmm. And then the other night, they're like, oh, my God. Tear it down. Rebuild. Let's get the first overall pick. Right. You can't have polar opposites like that. You can't have one night where you're so high, the next night where you're so low as a team. You need to find that middle ground. And in the first two games, they've managed to do that. Jamie, we've got a question from the 980 Jamie, was that night just one of those nights where Jordan Cairo decided he wanted to play because he does have those nights where he does decide he wants to play, or is this a new Jordan Cairo that's saying, hi, I heard what you what the fans were saying about me and that I am responsible for getting the coach fired? Yeah, I don't think it's the latter. I don't think Jordan Cairo is responsible for getting Craig Ruby fired. There's not one individual that would be able to do that it's the group collectively that just didn't play consistent enough or hard enough on a more regular basis. But to the other part, like, is this who Jordan Kairos guys, listeners, he's showed you for two years what he is. I mean, he has, like, he's been a point of game guy, been hovering around the 80 point mark for two seasons in a row, maturing players like Jordan Kairo, that's the biggest obstacle is finding consistency how do i how can i be a star on a regular basis and some players figure it out at an early age and they're phenomenal like Sidney crosby and and players like that they they just figure it out at a young age and they know what it takes to be consistent every night there are some players that don't figure it out for five six seven years and guess what there's some players that never figure it out there's some of the I was talking about Alexei Kovalev today. I mean, it's a bit of a blast from the past, but watching Kucherov reminded me of Kovalev. Alexei Kovalev may have been may have been the most talented player in the NHL during my time. And never mind Gretzky, Lemieux, Yager. Alexei Kovalev may have been the most talented player. Why do we not talk about him as much? Because he couldn't consistently be a superstar, or he didn't want to, or he wasn't able to. Whatever it was. So you have all of these different reference points along the way for a young player like Jordan Cairo. And the only guy who really has the answers is Jordan Cairo. It was the other night something he can do on a regular basis. Only he knows that. Mm-hmm. Or was it? Is it more of the roller coaster ride that we, you know, have seen over the last couple of years, at least from a 200 foot gate? Because the roller coaster ride has been very high for two years in a row offensively. The rest of his game has been something that everybody's been trying to round out a little more. But again, I'll just throw it back on Jordan Cairo. If the other night was what he wants us to believe that he truly is, then he needs to bring that every night. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie's going to be with us for the first hour of the show. We do have an early pregame for you, 5 o'clock, right here on 101 ESPN. Of course, we've got the Blues taking on the Lightning, the play-by-play Blues radio network. That's at 6 o'clock. Let's stick with the Blues. I want to throw JR's article at you. Jamie, when it comes to the five things that we've learned about the Blues, Coach Drew Bannister and the way that he wants to play, because from a, a former player standpoint, Jamie, you can you can add add to this and talk about from a hockey standpoint, from what you're seeing. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider with The Athletic, who you hear weekly on 101 ESPN throughout the, throughout the days, put together an article about the five things we've learned about the Blues, Coach Coach Drew Bannister, and the way that he wants to play. And Jamie, uh, I had read through this article yesterday, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, because you, you can also add the hockey standpoint of it, or at least from uh, the perspective of a former player. So one of the five things that he mentions is actually something that Doug Armstrong was talking about when he made when he had the press conference to announce that Coach Burby had been fired and replaced with interim Drew Bannister. Accountability and compete. And you had mentioned the compete part last segment. But as JR notes, when Bannister was en route to St. Louis, Armstrong was addressing the media at the Blues practice facility. The GM mentioned several times that he wanted the coaching change to be to bring more accountability and compete. You and I, you and I said, "All right, great." Chief was trying to do that as well. Good luck, Drew Bannister. Is this more on the players, them holding themselves accountable, and then allowing Drew Bannister to kind of come in here? illustrate how he wants to display how he wants to do things and then he can hold those players accountable based on what what he said because you can't just show up and say ah you know what you need to be you need to be put in check here okay you just got here I think this is more on the players what do you think both both things for that matter yeah so it's an extremely difficult situation for Drew Bannister because what do you do kick open the front door and just like announce you're here and you're ready to kick everybody's ass like it doesn't make any sense right And, and so the accountability side of it is Drew Bannister has to create his own his own evaluation with the players. And that's what he said. The very first day he was here, he said, listen, like, they're, they're, everybody's getting a clean slate here. You're starting fresh with me. And from the moment you perform right now is the, you know, the, the equity that you'll have invested with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going back yesterday or the day before because none of that was while he was coaching. So now – it's great in theory to say, okay, now like I'm going to let you know when I feel like you're competing or you're not competing, I'm going to hold you accountable, but they've won two games in a row. What does it look like when you lose two games in a row? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how are you holding guys accountable? And, and to your point, Anthony, you know, Craig Berube, who had a Stanley cup under his belt and over a thousand games as a player and had coached in the league for a long time. He had trouble being able to hold guys accountable. So how's the new guy who, um, unfortunately, it's nothing against Drew Bancher. He doesn't have those accolades. So how do you hold someone accountable? I think what you do is you create the criteria, and then when everybody sees what the criteria is or what the, you know, the demands are, then the players know at that point. They know. Subtle reminders of, during the game when they come off from shifts or between periods, reminding guys of what the expectations are and what they may have not may or may not have done properly. That goes a long way too, because you understand where you are within the boundaries of what the accountability is going to be. I think the biggest thing for Drew Bannister and what I believe he's done so far is he doesn't just recognize the negative moments. Mm-hmm. He's also uh, praising and recognizing the good things too. Again, creating the boundaries of what the accountability will be. Here's what we like from you. Here's what you're doing right. Here's what we don't want from you. Here's what you're doing wrong. And now, what are the circumstances? 
So that one of the second thing that JR mentioned in his article is getting to their game. One of the Blues' biggest issues in the first 28 games of the season was slow starts. Berube said players were feeling out what type of game it was going to be and responding accordingly. Shen added that the team, they were picking and choosing when they wanted to play. And I don't think that Shen necessarily meant, oh, we feel like playing right now, we'll give it our all. I think he meant more, Jamie, and correct me if I'm wrong, here's, here's where we can maybe be more aggressive or here's where we can lay off a little bit and maybe the players got caught in between so my question to you is in two games and this is this is kind of a tough question in only two games but has has Drew Bannister come in and maybe simplified the approach a little bit to allow the players to just play fast or has that not happened yet I don't know if Drew Bannister has allowed anything or disallowed anything yet because it is so soon sure but I we go back to accountability and so that word actually carries right into this question is the players know now like the players understand that what they did before wasn't acceptable the players understand now that army is not just going to go and fire five head coaches in a row here until well we find somebody with the magic uh, you know serum that can help this team mm-hmm. no it's going to start going to where players are moved or players are asked to waive their no trade clause or players that have no trade clauses are waived and sent to the minors because there has to be a change because the attitude isn't right, the effort's not acceptable. So as a player, you start to see some of that evolving within the team. And you also want to get in the good books. If Drew Bannister's coming in here truly with a clean slate for all the players, which I believe he has, then, man, don't you want to get a leg up? Mm -hmm. Because it's a team sport, but, man, it's an individual game when it comes to your ice time and your contract. Because if it was a team sport, then Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo would be sharing that $8 million with the guys who make 750000 Right. Right? So it's up to the guy who makes 750000 to go show the coach and the management and the ownership that he's worth $2 million, $3 million, $4 million, because he's outplaying guys who have those types of contracts. That's a healthy, competitive environment. When you have your lowest player trying to outcompete your highest-paid player – Guess what? That elevates the play of the lowest ranking guys and it pushes the highest ranking guys. That's what you want ultimately on a daily basis is that compete so that players are pushing themselves and the coach then doesn't have to be there cracking the whip and being the bad guy and do all the big badass that sits there. But no, you don't have to do that. These guys are paid handsomely, millions of dollars, some of them. They should be able to figure this out. Well, one of the third thing that JR mentions here, even though I, I was – I was hot last week after Chief got let go. I know a lot of a lot of people were a lot of people were ticked off. But I one, was too, Anthony. One thing that we we could all come together on would be the, the the lack of the power play success. And the third thing that Jr. mentions is power power play traction when it comes to the five things that Drew Bannister is start is is trying to change. That th- this one's self explanatory. Uh, they were seven for eighty three. 8.4% ranked 31st in the NHL when the coaching change was made on the power play. They were converting converting 8.4% of their, their power play opportunities. I mean, that's just a 31st. I'm shocked somebody was worse, quite frankly. It couldn't be that, it couldn't be that much worse. Yeah. So this is one area where he's Drew Bannister has to clean up if they're if they're gonna if they're gonna find any sort of traction. Yeah, it, it falls on Drew Bannister a little bit, but it is certainly a panel. We'll put it that way, because if you break up, if you slice up the pie, you've got four equal parts right now, in my opinion, is you have the head coach, you have Steve Ott, 
you have the players, and now you have a brand new power play consultant in Brad Richards, mm-hmm. who is, in fact, here in Tampa this morning watching pregame skate. We'll be watching the game tonight and taking in the game tomorrow night and, and all that stuff. So that's where it is. There's four slices of pie right now, and each one of them has to be able to provide something to this team. You know, the power play, as abysmal as it was, you know, the players really have no one to blame but themselves. Like, if you strongly disagree with something that maybe is being presented to you, you're on the power play. You're a unique player. You have a special ability. Voice your concern. Voice your opinion. Like, speak up, man. Otherwise, you were just fine with it. And if that's the case, then the players ultimately are just as much, if not more, to blame than any system or anything. That And sometimes the players can be even the most at fault because they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They don't want to be in a spot where the coach thinks they'll succeed the most. They'll just tell you that I don't like that. I'm not successful there. I don't feel comfortable here. You know what? Too bad at this point. Our power play stinks. You're going to go wherever the hell I tell you, or you'll go on the bench. Mm -hmm. You know, like at some point you have to get there. And I think the power play overall hit rock bottom right before, or right as Drew Bannister was taken over. And then even in the first game for Drew Bannister, they went, what, 0 for 3, I think. Had some good looks, some good opportunities. But then last game, even the first unit last game, had some looks and whatnot, a couple extra passes, too much. Second unit went out there and said, screw this, we're going to shoot the puck. And uh, look what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyra trending up. And this is something that, let's be real, Doug Armstrong wanted to see more of, too. He didn't say it. But you could feel it. You don't you don't make the move to relieve Chief and bring somebody else in if you're happy about the production of at least one of the guys that is making the eight you know, eight by eight contract. So Kairu having a good second game, that's gonna be something that's vital too. But this this all goes back to exactly what you just said before too. It's gonna be it's gonna be up to Kairu. At some point you have to unlock you have to know what you're doing take accountability, mature, and not and not lean on somebody to always unlock that. You know, at 25, he's he's right in that range of okay, you know, you're you're a young man, but this is you got to con- get the contract for a reason. So you have to take accountability. Are you going to step up your game or are you going to be complacent and you're just going to lean on the talent that that God gave you and that's it. And you're just going to rest on your laurels. So Anthony, there's there's it comes point in the time for these young dynamic players where you just become high maintenance mm-hmm. and i don't mean like demanding of certain sticks or tape or water and th- i don't mean that i mean high maintenance means you have to continuously be reminded of what the expectations are for you continuously being reminded of the type of play that's acceptable or unacceptable continuously reminded that you have to be on your game all like at some point, man, the high maintenance is just too much. And you see a lot of really good players, just teams move on. If you look at some of the like the difference makers around the league, there's some guys that are difference makers that are on their fifth team and mm-hmm. they're 28 years old. There's a reason. If you're that good, that dynamic, people aren't moving you on to another team unless they're acquiring a much better player. And in a lot of the cases, that has not been the case with some of these trades or some of these moves. So Jordan Cairo, at some point, if he hasn't already, has to look in the mirror and realize that he can bring you know, 80 to 100 points a year to this Blues team. Does he want to do it? Can he do it on his own? Or does he have to continuously be reminded that that's what his job is? 
if it's the latter to where he's always reminded, then his time is will be short here. Mm-hmm. His time will be short. He has three years of this first eight years that are full move, like no trade protection at all, nothing. And if Doug Armstrong deems that after a year, or a year and a half, or even two years of a player that's just too high maintenance, too much of the roller coaster ride, they will move on from that player. Or Jordan Cairo seizes the moment, becomes the player he can be, and exceeds that 95 to 100 points. Maybe he becomes a 110-point player. All of that's to be determined, but that's really that's exactly what has to happen. And then the fifth one was just playing for each other, and that that certainly makes sense. If you're going to move on from a Stanley Cup winning coach, the next guy, if he's going to have any shot at all of hanging on to the job full time, he's got to get the guys to play play for each other. He's got to galvanize a team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're seeing that right now. Look at guys don't like when coaches get fired because now all the eyeballs are on them. And especially when a coach who's that popular gets fired or as successful as Chief was, people aren't looking at the coach as the problem. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the coach as a scapegoat, looking at the players as the problem. Yeah. And so now it's up to the players to change that, change the narrative, play for each other, play hard, give it what you've got. You won't win every game, I promise you that. Never seen it in my life. <laughs> but you'll actually, but you'll still start to perform at a higher level and be more consistent, and you'll be way more competitive on a nightly basis. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stelter. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. One thing that Cairo, uh, maybe his game was unlocked a little bit, was because of the line he was playing on. Should he stick with that top line? That's next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. Baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at HackmanSTL.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tonight, we've got a early pregame for you for the Blues as they take on the Lightning. Pregame at 5 o'clock. The puck will drop around 6 o'clock down in Tampa. That's where Jamie Rivers is, but he will be with us for the next 20 minutes or so. Jamie, what do you think of the, the, the top line that uh, was was together last last Saturday with Cairo being with Thomas and Buchnevich? Is that is that the best line? I know Neighbors has been outstanding this year, and he got a lot of, you know, he had some success up there. But are the Blues at their best when it's Booch, Thomas, and Cairo? Yeah, they have to be. <laughs> That's the bottom line. I mean, those are, those are supposed to be your three best players. They're supposed to be the three guys that drive the offense for you. Jake Neighbors, a tremendous story. Uh, love Jake as a player, but he doesn't project to be a first-line guy. Yeah. And I know projections are just one part of the game, but you know, even at this young 
age or young stage of his career, you know, I think that the ceiling for Jake on a regular basis is probably, you know, a middle six forward. So second or third line. And again, this is nothing against Jake Neighbors. It's just that Jordan Kyber's making $8 million a year, and so is Robert Thomas. They better damn well be on your first line. Mm-hmm. And Pavel Buchnevich is right up there, too. He's making some pretty good cash himself. He better be right up there on your first line. And when they're all together, they better be producing, or at least producing or creating, right? I think that that's you can go a couple of games where maybe the puck doesn't go in, maybe you play a good goalie or a you know, team that plays it pretty set, but you have to be creating. You have to be dangerous every single time you touch the ice. You've got to be the line that the other team says, there's no way our third pair of defense can be trapped out there against these guys. Yeah. And that happens. You know, you have your, you have your own issues too, whereas there's certain games where you don't want Tyler Tucker or Scott Perunovich out there against the other team's top lines. Not because, you know, you don't trust them. It's just that hmm, they're supposed to be that good that you shouldn't have that matchup. Mm-hmm. So when I look at it, when you ask me that question about Kairu Thomas and Buchnevich, they have to be the best players on the ice. Yeah. Is there a certain line combination that you would like to see from there? Like working my way down? Yes. Um, you know, right now I really like Kapanen and Saad and, and Shen. They've had a couple of good games together. Kasperi Kapanen is really pushing the pace out there. He's a fast skater. He's a hard worker. He's got good hockey IQ. You watch him out there the last couple of games, and he's been really effective with that line. And Brandon Sod's what, three games in a row now he's scored a goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he's found a little bit of a rhythm here. And then when you look at, you know, Hayes, the Hayes line with Torovchenko and Neighbors has been very effective too. Kevin Hayes continues to get on the scoreboard. And so that's positive. So they're really the only flexibility that I see is within the fourth line, and the only flexibility there is on the wings. Because Oscar Sundquist is a pillar as your sentiment on that line. Mm-hmm. What you do with the what you do with the wings from there is up to those guys. Like Mackenzie McEachern's playing really well right now. Hugh McGing, they, those guys are getting out there. They're buzzing. They're pushing the other team as far as you know, back on their heels, getting the, the, the forecheck going and things like that. But if they don't do what they're supposed to do, you've got Sammy Blaine, you got Alexandrov waiting to jump in and take spots from those guys. I the way the the, the lineup is currently constructed for me, this is probably the most optimal lineup that they have right now. But again, it's based on player performance. Yeah. So if players aren't playing to their potential or things aren't working the way they should or you're not generating enough opportunity, then you got to switch it up. You got to find whatever's working for you. Yeah, Jamie, does this team have enough depth for a, a full season to keep that top line together? Because you mentioned, you know, these are your best players, the ones that are making the most money. Is it optimal to have your best players on one line, or would you rather see them sprinkled throughout your lineup? Well, if you have the depth, like you said, Marshy, it's it's easy to kind of sprinkle them throughout your lineup. But even some of the teams, like if you look at the Oilers, you know, when they really got to mm-hmm. ramp things up or they really want to ramp things up, McDavid plays with Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. They, put the two, they put the two dragons out there together, and they let them go to work. If you look at Toronto, a lot of times Austin Matthews is playing with Mitch Marner on his line because they're trying to drive more offense at that point. You know, Patrice Bergeron in Boston used to play with Marshawn and Pasternak. <laughs> that line was pretty powerful as well. So I think that ultimately you have to try and keep those guys together. If you want to shuffle the deck around a little bit from there with your second, third, and fourth line, you can. Uh, but hopefully you don't need to start grabbing guys from the first line to try and get your second or third line going 
because then really you're you're robbing Peter to pay Paul at that point. That's Jamie Rivers and Jamar Anthony Stelzer. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Hey, there's still time to get your 101 ESPN merch to support Operation Food Search this December. We've partnered with STL Shirt Co. to offer a special 101 ESPN online merch store. It's throughout the month of December. We're offering 101 T-shirts, hats, hoodies, more. We've got some of the the, the favorites from previous years. We had Jamie Rivers and Brad Thompson's brad thompson jerseys we've got the dunk shirts uh time's running out though you, you you have until december 31st to make sure that you get your order in to that 101 espn online merch store so just visit the 101 online merch store now at 101 espn.com powered by mcbride homes we've got keys to victory tonight for the blues and first goal of the game next on 101 espn we're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Anthony Stalter, and here's Jamie Rivers with his keys to victory tonight for the Blues as they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, the first one here is discipline. The Tampa Bay Lightning uh, are 35.4% on the power play on home ice this year. They're number one in the NHL on home ice. Oh, and by the way, they're number two overall in the NHL. For power play. So stay out of the box. Your power, your penalty kill did a great job the other night, but let's not tempt fate twice. I was watching that lightning power play snap the puck around this morning and look like the damn globetrotters out there. So <laughs> let's not do that, okay? Not great. <laughs> that's No, that's key number one. Key number two is you got to find your game quickly here. You can't have that 10-minute delay that you had against the Dallas Stars and hope to come back all the time from two goals or three goals down or whatever happens in those games you can't do it you got to try and get out to a good start a quick start and at least match the intensity here uh, in tampa bay because these guys are going to be pumped up playing in front of their fans the the lightning have been on the on the road here for the last little while western canadian swing this is their first game back sometimes that can be difficult for the team coming home that's exactly what you want to do is you want to make it difficult for the tampa bay lightning don't give them any juice to get going here early on Two, take away the middle of the ice what a disaster it will be if you give up the middle of the ice against these guys. Their top two lines are as good as any team in the NHL, and they will eat you alive if you let them get through the dangerous areas without getting tended to. So those are my three keys to the game tonight against the Lightning. All right, I like that. Not as much as I like this. Let's go, boys. We need you to score more goals. Get those loose pucks. Thomas, DeCairo, score! Goal! No big deal. Game winner. Uh, shout out to Marshy for learning his lesson the other day, trying to eliminate Chief from the first <laughs> goal sounder. That will not be happening, Marsh. Mm. Unreal. Not on our watch. You want to do something different next year? Fine. But Chief's in all year. All right. Okay. Okay. Jamie, what do you got for a goal of the game tonight? Or who do you have? Well, I had I had uh, Thomas the other night, didn't I not? You did. So we're all tied up at one apiece. Oh, boy. Jamie is right. on um, the board. 
All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stick with the the hot hand here right now. I'm gonna go Brandon Sod tonight. Mm. That's who I wanted. Mm. That's who <laughs> I you wanted. Gave me first pick. That's I know. your own fault. I thought you were gonna go back to Robert the Thomas, but you didn't. No. Well, they're gonna have a tough matchup. They've got Hedberg to play against tonight. So, or Hedman, rather, Victor Hedman, pretty good defenseman. Yeah, not Mitch Hedberg. No, or Johan Hedberg. Yeah. Used to be called the Moose. Oh, okay. Well, good. Yeah. Don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Your I played face with was Johan Hedberg. Yeah. He was just. A, don't know why. He was just a small goalie. I don't know why they called him Moose. I don't well, know. Maybe that's part of the joke. All right, Marsh, who do you have? I'm going to go with Kevin Hayes. I think he plants himself right outside the blue paint. A little tap in. Thanks for coming. Kevin Hayes is my first goal scorer of tonight's game. All right. Um, I was debating on two. I was going to go Sod. Jamie took Sod first. So I'm going to go Robert the Thomas. We're going to Robert the Thomas tonight. First goal for your St. Louis Blues. Taking on the Lightning. Jamie, you you just mentioned like the keys of the game and things you want to avoid and all that. Why, to the best of your knowledge, from what you've seen, why are the Lightning off to kind of a slow start this year? At least slow for them. Well, a couple of reasons is their depth of lineup is not what it once was before, and those are just salary cap casualties. When you look across the NHL right now, you've got Palat is in New Jersey. You've got Kalorn that's in Anaheim. You've got Goudreau. That I believe is with the Rangers now. Like you, you, all of the guys, and you've got Yanni Gord, who's in Seattle. All the guys that gave you your bottom six punch. Pat Maroon is another guy. Like mm-hmm. they're all around the NHL now because Tampa had to be able to continue to afford their top six forwards and their top four defensemen. And oh, by the way, an all-universe goaltender. And I think that's the biggest reason for the Tampa Bay Lightning struggles this year is. Uh, Vasilevsky had back surgery coming out of training yeah. camp. The fact that he's back here, uh, he's been back for about a week now already, is incredible. And he's he's kind of been working to find his game. But I think he had 51 saves against Edmonton the other night. Mm. And so he's that kind of a beast. And when you don't have that between the pipes on a nightly basis, there's probably two or three games, maybe even more, that the Lightning could have won or should have won but there were some squeakers that got through or goals that went in that wouldn't have had Vasilevsky been between the pipes. So I think that is kind of what's regulated the record a little bit more uh, than anything else. But Vasilevsky's back. Uh, so I'm in the net tonight. Let me tell you, not a whole lot of net to shoot at. For the guy that's uh, <laughs> six, six and you know, wearing all that gear. Not is a whole six, lot to six? find. Oh yeah. He might be six, seven. I don't know. This guy's a mutant. I, I didn't realize mutant. I knew he was tall. I didn't realize he was that tall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's good, Anthony. I don't know if you've uh, seen his Flex- scouting report. Flexible. <laughs> he's he's pretty good. There's a couple of banners that were hanging in the rafters yeah. today when I looked up. It's Stanley Cup champion. Mm-hmm. Then let me know he's pretty darn good. Yeah, so, I would say so. I would say, going back to your original question, the, the biggest reason that they've struggled or lack of consistency is probably a big part to the goaltender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and him not being there. Uh, thanks, Dad. Usually has some some good ones, some good one-liners, a couple dad jokes. This one, this one's pretty good, a pretty solid dad joke. He said, in terms of uh, Vasilevsky, he goes, "When did he get back? About a week back?" Question mark. Oh boy, oh, that's a Marsh. Randy character. Yeah, that's joke. A, yeah. 
the Randy does that like every day. Does he do that? Yes. What? Yeah. The week back or just yeah. a dad joke in general? No, the week well, back the specifically. Week back. Yeah. It's probably well, what thanks to is, oh, is referencing. Yeah, he's always yeah, kind of Randy's doing that with that. I mean, Randy and Carrie go back and forth. Brooke says, oh, oh no, Randy. Like, Brooke hates it. Brooke hates Jeez, it. He's Andrew. Hmm. Marshy. In defa- and, you That's know, copyright and, infringement, too. And and that's that's how to feel about things. Dad, is he copying? Is he stealing well, jokes? What's maybe, going on here? Maybe it's a, it's he mentioned it because Randy and Kerry mm. do it a lot. Um, uh, in in Marsh's defense, Marsh is typically not up mm. at that point when the it's opening typically drive not is up on. until an hour into BK and Ferrari. <laughs> typically. <laughs> that's not yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jamie, maybe have a, a good call tonight. And we we will uh, well you're not back until what Friday? Or we uh, see you Thursday. That? Thursday. We'll see you Thursday. All right. Yeah. We'll be good. Okay. Don't let any player curse on your mic again. Yeah. Well, that was out of my control, Anthony. Well, you got to punch him right in the mouth then. I don't think that would have went over. <laughs> All right. <laughs> see you, buddy. <laughs> see you, bud. That's Jamie Rivers. Our guy Dan McLaughlin will step in next. We did the first hour blues, so we're going to get into some football and some baseball coming up. Drew Locke, former Mizzou product, puts together the game-winning drive last night to beat the Eagles. Wow. Drew Locke got a future someplace else, maybe, if he, if he decides to move on from Seattle. We'll get into that next. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You don't get very many opportunities in this league. Um, And with every opportunity you get, you need to be as ready as you can be. That was Drew Locke, former Mizzou quarterback with Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalter. 303, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Did not see that one coming last night, boys. I thought the Eagles would win uh, when they they announced, finally, right before game time, that Geno Smith, even though he was active, he would not play and it was going to be Drew Locke. I thought, all right, even with the Eagles' problems of late, I still like them here. I I don't know if there's going to be a blowout. I don't know if they're going to dominate. Again, they hadn't been playing well, but I did not see Drew Locke leading the Seahawks to a game-winning touchdown drive in which... I thought it was quintessential Drew Locke, quite frankly. We saw the talent at Mizzou. We saw the the, the live arm. We saw the uh, accuracy issues. That was on display in, the, in not only the game, uh, Dan, but I thought it was it was on display in that final drive. He could have been picked three times, and he also dropped Probably one. should have been. Probably should have been. Dropped the one in the bucket to DK Metcalf with the safety coming up over the top and the corner trailing. Dropped that one in, and, and DK Metcalf made a, a hell of a play. He also had a, an outstanding throw to Metcalf early in the drive to make to, to get to pick up a first down, and then of course the one to the rookie uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. That was perfect. By the way, good afternoon. 
How are you? You're coming in hot. Ch- yeah, darn right I am. You're coming in hot. Hi, Marshy. Good to be with you. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Good to be with you. Uh, Drew Locke, I, let's I go back no to huddle. it. Dan's like, let's run the ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I was trying to take some time off the clock, man. <laughs> no huddle, please. The Eagles, yeah, the Eagles had an expectancy win rate, by the way, of 90%. Is that all? 90%. And Drew Locke, 10 plays, 92-yard drive. First game-winning drive since 2020. I, I think it's a great story. I mean, he... He hasn't played in 28 games for the Seahawks, and when he's played, it's been in mop-up roles. He mm. did get the start against San Francisco, played well, but didn't know, we as a nation didn't know if he was going to make that start last night. And uh, it's a pretty good day to be a Missouri fan. When you see Drew yeah. Locke, what he's done, Mizzou has had commitments all over the place today, yeah. transfer portal's been busy, so... We'll get into that, sir. Yeah, if you're a Missouri fan, this is a good day. No doubt. Do you guys think that Drew Locke still has a future in the NFL? Based on what we've seen, like the quarterback play, I mean, when Joe Flacco was coming off the couch and he looks good. and So that's it. Isn't he like a stopgap guy or a guy that, and you know this way better than I do, but a guy that when they've used in the league over 50 different starting quarterbacks, you would figure this guy's got a shot to have some longevity in the league, especially with things like he did last night. It's interesting. So they were talking about it last night on the broadcast. You had Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talking about how he's matured over the last couple of years. He got married. He's got he's, he, Him and his wife are expecting their, their first child at the end of January. Dan, you know, Marsh, you know, may, maybe you will know at some point. Uh, Dan, you know, the kids change you. Oh boy! I mean, as soon as you, as soon as you find out, you're gonna be, you're gonna be a parent. Like things, things come into focus real quick. So for Drew Locke to to mature a little bit, there is something that Pete Carroll does, and Pete Carroll's a great coach. But there is something that he does, even though he's a defensive minded guy with his quarterbacks, Geno Smith. Bounced around. He was the backup there for a while, and then he wound up winning comeback player of the year last year. Got himself a new contract. Drew Locke has seemingly come into his own now with with Pete Carroll, but he's a free agent after the end of the year. He'll only be 28. I wonder if... He's only going to be 28? That's it. He's going to be 28 years old. Wow. For tw- In 2024. Philadelphia. So I if he's got a shot. By the way, is now 0-8 against Pete Carroll. I saw that, mm. that graphic. Isn't that crazy? And their defense, especially on third down, was improved. The Seahawks were 4-12 for 12 on third down. They made the defensive adjustments in terms of their coaching staff, how they were doing alignment, all those things. And it seemed like it was going to work until the final drive, and that's mm. when you give players credit for making plays. And he made a bunch of plays down the stretch. Yeah, I don't know what to think of the quarterbacks this season. There's been so many backup quarterbacks that have played this year. We've seen Baker Mayfield have a great... I wouldn't say a great season, but he had a great game. Oh, for him, I think he's he Yeah, he's been way better than, than what he has been. You mentioned Geno Smith. I think it's interesting. There's a lot of quarterbacks that have that potential that have been in the wrong system, mm-hmm. under the wrong coach, and in the wrong culture. So I'm, I'm interested to see some of these other quarterbacks that go to different teams to see if they can resurrect their career because it is possible. We've seen that in the past few seasons that there's some quarterbacks that – who had potential, couldn't really get it done with one team, and now they're starting to show what they have. I I wonder if there's quarterbacks now in the league that you could say the same thing for moving forward. What do you think? I think it's very difficult to get the reps that you need as a backup and then to get into a game and showcase what you can do. So for Drew Locke last night, the numbers overall weren't great. The final drive was outstanding. He only threw for 208 yards. Yeah, that was it. And I think 90 of them came on that drive, right? Because right. they were backed up. So 90, 90 or so yards on that that last drive for them. I do wonder if in a quarterback-starved league, he could get himself a two-year contract someplace else 
with an opportunity to say, hey, you're our starter as of right now. We don't know what we're going to do in the draft, but you're going to you're our guy for right now, and then see if he can have kind of a, a late late career, you know, resurrection here. He's got the arm strength. He's got the arm talent. If he can read a defense, which is something that all young quarterbacks tend to struggle with, then I think he 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 can catch on somewhere. Do you think the CBA hurts guys yes. like Drew Locke? Absolutely, because they don't now. They don't have the time that they used to have in OTAs and the various things that you can do off season. Guys get better, learn the system better, learn their players better. Mm-hmm. And that's where you give a lot of reps to your backups. Yes. And that's not happening now because of the new CBA. No. Do what Dan what Dan is referring to is the last time they had they had the lockout or the threat of a lockout. One of the things that the players association the players association collectively bargained was that the the coaching staff basically couldn't have these guys here around. They couldn't be practicing around. They have very strict mandates on when you can practice and how long the practices can be. That's great for the players because now coaches can't run you into the ground. It also is a little bit of an issue when it comes to quarterbacks because you don't have the reps. And if you're a backup, you definitely don't have the reps. And as we know, there is no feeder system outside of college football where these guys can go like baseball in the minor leagues and you get a lot of that development time leading up to the majors college is your development that's it yep and these guys are coming out early they might not play in the same sit marsh prop system they mean they may not be playing in the same system in college as they do to the nfl there's adjustment there we saw J- we, we continue to see jalen hurts struggle with reading a defense it's not easy defensive coordinators are paid to confuse you and Marsh asked me the question in the office earlier about Jalen Hurts and why maybe is he not having the same success as he did a year ago. I think defenses are starting to figure out if you take away his first read, he'll look to run. You saw that a couple times last night. First read is not there. Jalen Hurts struggles, I think, when you go to the second read and he barely gets to that third read. He's not alone in that. And if you don't have the reps, the practice time, the game time, in order to develop – this is this is the result for a lot of QBs. Not Jalen Hurts, obviously, because he, he wound up being great last year, but for a lot of other quarterbacks. When you guys watch Jalen Hurts, what do you think of his mannerisms? I love Jalen Hurts. I, 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 I think he's I think he's great. I do too. I, I love how he doesn't get overly emotional. He doesn't get too low. Very stoic when he's out there. And I do think that players feed off that type of position. You can't be scattered right you know what i mean you've got to be focused you got to be single-handedly focused in the task at hand play mm-hmm. by play and i know that that's kind of a, a cliche but it is interesting to watch him it, when he goes on the sidelines after throwing a pick or a fumble and he's fumbled a lot this year yeah. he does not th- show a lot of emotions no you don't see him throwing things you don't see him jumping on guys just very stoic i, yes. I like how he does that i i have said this for a while now the moment i fell in love with jalen hurts the player was when he came off that sidelines after being benched for two on the national championship, and he was the first one to greet Tua to celebrate Isn't when that, Alabama beat Georgia. And last night, how about Drew Locke in his post-game interview with Lisa Salters and mm-hmm. how he credited the players, but he really credited Geno Smith sure. mm-hmm. for helping him along. I thought that was cool, too. He made a point to say, this guy helped me along. He told me I was going to be the best player on the field for the final drive. He gave me confidence. And in the moment of a post-game interview with the emotions of what he has been through and clarified that during the post-game interview, I thought it was really cool that he decided to, you know, tell everybody in the nation, Mm -hmm. you know what, my teammate was here, I'm the backup, but my guy in front of me, 
was there for me. I, I just thought yeah. that was really classy the I, way he did it. I love that he's grateful. Yes. If you're grateful, show it. And he's, he was grateful to Geno Smith. It goes. It kind of. It reminds me a little bit of Brett Favre saying it's not my contract to get Aaron Rodgers ready to play. He was right. He was right then. But it. When you hear it on the other side, when you hear Drew mm-hmm. Locke appreciate the fact that Geno Smith got him ready to play because he knows that's what's going to be best for the Seahawks overall. That that I think is outstanding. And it's always I got to get mine. Mm-hmm. Look at me. You know so what Mars I mean. So says every time he walks through the door. He goes, I got to get mine. That's all right. It's the first, first thing he says. That's the first thing Marsh says when he walks through the door. I got to get mine. I am him. Wow. Or what is it? Yeah. I am me. I am me. I'm him. I am him. I am him. What is that from? I don't know. That's what the kids are saying these days. I am him. You got to be a dog, Anthony. You got to be him. Yeah. You are a dog. What else are we going to say, Marsh? I don't know. I, Hurts, I forgot. Maybe. We bounce around Something a about bit. Jalen Hurts. Uh, well, to Dan's point about uh, Drew Locke, though, you talked about his maturity. I think that, one, this league will humble you. Mm-hmm. And in that process, I feel like Drew Locke did mature from his rookie season. And that's just a winning culture. You brought up the whole Brett Favre thing. Only a few years ago, Ryan Tannehill was essentially saying the same thing. And now he's lost his job. Yeah. Now to a different quarterback at the time. Now it's Will Levis. But Ryan Tannehill... Look where that team is right now. They're yeah. under 500. They were one of the best teams in the foot in National Football League only a few seed. years ago. They had the top seed in the AFC. Yep. And they were playing the year before in in 2019 when the 49ers lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs beat the Titans in the AFC title game, and a lot of that, of course, was Derrick Henry. But don't forget how good Ryan Tannehill was. Mm-hmm. So now Ryan Tannehill and Arthur Smith are uh, terrible. You love Arthur Smith. You love what he brings to the table. You love the fact that he gets Bijan Robinson involved. You love the fact mm-hmm. that he's an offensive-minded guy and puts up seven every week. <laughs> yeah, and you know they it's about the case if it? he's lucky, he puts up seven. <laughs> they, they take down the teams that they need to beat. The teams oh, yeah. that are below them on yeah. their schedule. Easiest schedule in the NFL this year. And my man goes, don't worry about it. I'll take care of this. Mm. I got you. I got you. Your seven and ten right here. Mm. All right, Cardinals. Are you all about the NL Central again? Let me ask you this, Dan, and let me ask the listeners. Is there anything that the Cardinals can do to convince you, I'm talking about this offseason, to convince you that they at least have a shot at making a run? Because I don't think there is. And I think if, if we're honest about this, there's not, there's not a move, realistic move, that the Cardinals are going to make where somebody says, okay, yeah, no, I feel, I feel even a little bit better about them matching up with the top teams in the in the NL. So March said, should we just embrace the fact that it's the NL Central or, or bust? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. So Marsh asked me in the office today, should we just embrace the NL Central being the the, the top prize for the Cardinals? There's a couple of... I think that, Dan, when we say... When we start to talk about just getting in, it infuriates Cardinals fans. I don't blame you at all. They're nowhere... They're not in the same hemisphere as the Dodgers. They're not in the same hemisphere as the Braves. 
Is there any move that Maybe they can the make? Maybe the Phillies, too. Maybe the Phillies, too. Is there a move that they can make this offseason that's realistic to get you somewhere in the hemisphere of those teams? Because I don't think there is. That's how far behind I think they are. I think you could make two moves that would put you in competition on paper with them. In the solar system yeah. of the of the Braves, Phillies, and Dodgers. So I, I think if you got another pseudo number one, so you went into a series, you had gray, and you got another number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Yamamoto would be fine, or whomever you want to throw out there. He'll be a Dodger. I, I am big on they need to re more so than even the rotation, the bullpen. And Josh Hader is sitting out there. Mm-hmm. And if you could shorten games, and let's just say that, and I know there's a lot of what-ifs in what I'm saying, but Gallegos bounces back and gets back to where he was a couple of years ago. I know what I have in Helsley, and I know what I could get in Josh Hader. Man, I would shorten a lot of games. I mean, last year, when you look at that bullpen, they were 24th in ERA. They didn't have swing and miss. They were 29th in strikeout rate. They had 41 leads lost and blew 28 saves. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I start looking at that and I think, you know what, I win, let's say, half of those, I'm in contention for the Central, and then once I'm in, I'm in. I do believe in that. Now, some people won't. I I understand that. Um, But I got to look at getting a bullpen stud that would help me and maybe another arm for my rotation. You're asking me what could be done, and I'm not. We're taking money out of the equation, right? This is just make moves. And what you want to do? We're, yeah. So I'm ask I'm asking you is there is there anything because because I don't think there is. But is there any move or moves that could be made by your Cardinals to give you at least a little like a, a glimmer of hope that you can compete with the top dogs in the National League? Again, let me state my my point on this. There's not. What if you added two really good bullpen arms though? You won't compete with the Dodgers, Braves, and and one Phillies. of them being Josh Hader. You're closer, but you're not close enough. This team finished dead last in the NL Central. Last That's year. true. You ain't lying. That's kind of where I'm at. On this. <laughs> you ain't lying. So I mean, numbers are what they are. So the and then the, the conversation connects to and and leave us a mic drop. Leave us a mic drop, or if you want to participate, you can leave us a text message as well via the Air Comfort Service text line. It connect this this conversation connects to like okay, so what should what's proper expectations? What's the goal? The goal would be to win your lousy division and then get steamrolled. If we're if we're doing this by like Doug Arm like what Doug Armstrong did with the Blues, realistically, I think this team is a wild card team. But I think for this team to have a shot at defeating some of these other teams, I don't know if it necessarily comes down to, well, you need to get the, you know, you need another race, which you do. But I think it, what does this team look like at the back half of next season? Are they contending for a playoff spot because we've seen when this team goes on runs they play good baseball at the back half of the of the season so for me I think really the only way for this team to defeat one of those top dogs is to just be playing really good baseball heading into October whether or not you win the division or you get a wild card spot we got a text from the 314 I know negativity sells for you guys but what team made the World Series from the National League last year? Arizona was, Diamondbacks. What big moves did they make? Will you pick them even to make the playoffs next year? No. They have spent some money to re-sign guys and bring them back. Sure. I give them credit for doing that and not letting players walk. Yeah. And significant contracts. Big money. Um, I, I was looking at this the other day. I think of there was something like 34 playoff games 
going into the World Series, and I think it was either six or seven games, the starter went seven innings. Mm-hmm. That's it. The average start was five and a third in Major League Baseball. So what it tells me is that I need bullpen. I need to throw arms at you. And I can, if I shorten a game and I've got studs coming out of the bull, out of the bullpen, I can win games. I mean, look at how the postseason was played. Starter two times through, if that, and then you went to your bullpen. So are we looking at this maybe not the proper way where, yes, to get to that dance, you need some innings to be covered by your starters. Mm-hmm. Totally think that that's going in the right direction. But once you're there, what if you're loading up on the back end of your bullpen and shortening games that oh, way? It, certainly, it would certainly help. Yeah. Absolutely. It certainly help. Can I address that text, by the Absolutely, way? Absolutely, Okay. Ne- you say negativity. Negativity sells. That's just my uh, negativity. I don't care about that. I, I, I'm saying to you, I don't believe that this team can compete with the top teams in the National League. That's not that's not being being negative. That's 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 my opinion on that. If I said to you, "Hey, look at the Arizona Diamondbacks and what they did last year," you never know. I'd kick my own ass. Like I just, I don't. I'm not going to take that approach. So if you feel like that's being negative, that's fine. But if I sat here and said, hey, Diamondbacks, never know, the text line would absolutely eat my soul, and I wouldn't blame them for it. I, uh, I'm i curious now what you guys think about just the Central itself and winning the Central and where they're at now in it's trying to – and just, just winning that division, much mm-hmm. less being elite in the, in the National League. Where are you at right now in the Central? And I still think they need to tinker with their bullpen. I don't think it's good enough yet. Yeah. Rotation is kind of wait and see. You got some age in that that rotation. Will guys be to the, the level that they were with their innings? Time will tell. But I know if I can try to get some givens in the bullpen, I feel a lot better about this team. Well, I think that also, the, what you just brought up with the NL Central, that also leads to the frustration of Cardinals fans. You, you've mm-hmm. been given a gift. Every year, you've been given a gift. Playing in the Central. Playing in the Central. Yep. There's always one team that challenges you. That's it. And they all rotate. It's been the Brewers for the last four or five years. Before that, it was the Cubs. Before that, it was the Reds. Two years, it was the Pirates. Before that, it was the Reds again. Like, you have just had one team to compete with in the NL Central. This year, if you look at it, take a step back, the Cardinals are the only team that's trying. And if I'm just looking at this objectively, from an out, if, I'm, if I'm a national MLB writer and I look and I see the Cardinals – had all those pitching problems last year, and they signed Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, and Kyle Gibson. And then I look at the Cubs, who hired Craig Consul and then have done nothing. Isn't that weird? The Pirates will not do anything. They don't try, and the Reds don't try. And the Bre- and the Brewers are trying to shed, I-, I would imagine they're trying to shed money, because that's that's what the Brewers do. Nobody else is trying. This is part of the frustration, I think, for Cardinals fans. Yeah, the National League has been awful in the playoffs, as of, uh, not the National, the National League Central has been terrible in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. I think... The the Cardinals' problem is is that the division is not essentially trying. They're not trying to be the best. The division as a whole, so they're not pushing this organization into being an elite team, right? If there were three, two, or let's just say two for the sake of the conversation, if there were two elite teams in the National League Central, that would propel the Cardinals to, with this mindset of we need to be competitive every year, that would propel them to do more in the offseason, but because the, the the division's terrible, by the time they get to the playoffs and they play these other teams, they can't compete because their expectations of just winning the Central is not good enough compared. That's why I said you just need to be playing good baseball heading into October. A hot team can win, yeah. and I'm starting to just really come around to that because there's no way with things and how, how things have been going in the National League Central, there's no way the Cardinals can 
essentially compete roster for roster with these other teams. We'll never know because they they won't they won't be moving to the NL West or NL East anytime. You know, it's just not going to happen. Right. So we all know that, but I don't know if they would change. I think that they know who they are. I think that they are a risk averse organization from top to bottom. I think they know what it takes to be profitable. I think they know they get a great fan base. I think they know that they have to, and that this lesson was reminded, you know, this was a reminder last year. I think they know that they have to put a better product on the field than certainly they did a year ago, but I think they kind of work within their margins. They're not going to be the Dodgers. They're not going to spend like the Phillies. I don't think being in another division would change their approach. I think this is who they are. Come hell or high water. It's just, do you guys get into the fact, though, kind of following up on what Marshy was saying, that it's crapshoot once you're in? Yeah. There's no definite. There's no definite. And I also always look at the wildcard teams as being the teams that you don't want to face. Mm -hmm. Even with loaded teams like the Dodgers, like the Braves, the way that the current format is set up, where these guys, you win your division and you get three or four or five days off between series, regular season, and then the next series, is not beneficial to them. So get in and see what happens. Again, I'm not trying to, you know, make excuses or say this is a you know playoff team. Time will tell. But I do think though there is something to it. Just get in and see what happens. Well, the, yeah. I, I, look to the Texas point earlier about bringing up the Diamondbacks. It's irrefutable. The Diamondbacks went on a run last year. Nobody had them making the playoffs, let alone making a run and winning the NL pennant. Nobody had that. Irrefutable though. There's been other teams that have done the same thing. There's been wildcard teams that have won the World Series. There's been two wildcard teams. I think the Giants and Royals are both wildcard teams faced off in the World Series. You're right. Short series, it's not 162 games once you get to the playoffs. It's three-game series, five-game series, seven-game series, and who knows if you get the pitching, right? So um, that, that part I completely agree with. Are you doing enough when you have the opportunities to improve your roster to give you your best shot when you get to the playoffs? And that's fair. That's my question. Yeah, that's fair. But you're right, Dan. You get in... Anything can happen, but yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I think there's a couple of moves, though, that you would make to feel a lot better about this team going into postseason play, Certainly. or this season, I should say. Yeah. Yamamoto being number one. Apparently, he wants to play in a big market. Oh, does he? So that maybe uh, puts okay. St. Louis on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But shore up the bullpen. To your point, not spending a, a huge amount of money on these guys, but definitely solidifying what you had better from last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't go back to 91 losses. You can't have that again. No. And pretty soon you're going to see people not showing up at the ballpark. Absolutely. And that's a problem with revenues and all the different things that you're talking about to where you feel like, okay, we're backed in a corner. Yep. we got to spend some money. we got to get better. No question. Speaking of getting better, Mizzou's program, football program, got better today. We'll tell you the latest next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan had mentioned this at the start of the hour. The Mizzou Tigers have had had themselves uh, quite a day. Last night, former quarterback Drew Locke led the Seahawks to an improbable comeback. What would you say, 90% chance the Eagles are going to win that game? It was the Eagles had an expectancy win rate of 90%. Okay, so not anywhere close to the 99% chance that <laughs> Old Dominion had to beat Western Kentucky in the famous Toastery Bowl. But Good nonetheless, for our friends. Yeah, heck yeah. Friends came through and the, uh, they covered. By the way, that's the biggest collapse in football history, I think, now. that We don't even have to debate it anymore. That's the biggest collapse, and uh, mm. we're just going ref- to talk about that. I can <laughs> think of another one. Oh, that was it. Now so, the Colts. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Colts and the, the Colts Vikings. And the Vikings. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a Super Bowl game. It was just a regular season game. Uh, it wasn't but the famous Toastery Bowl either, though. That's true. You know, in the middle of the day when nobody else is watching anything mm, else in sports. Goodness, no one was watching except right. for, for our friends. Well, no, a lot of people were watching the famous oh. Toastery Bowl. It's the famous. We were Toastery very Bowl. in tune with that game. 28 nothing. We, we were watching very closely for our over. friends. Mm. Not for Western Kentucky. Anyways, Mizzou. They added some more offensive firepower earlier today with to their 2024 class. They got a commitment from four-star wide receiver Courtney Crutchfield. The wide receiver core for the Mizzou Tigers next year, Dan, looks like this. So assuming everybody returns. Five-star Luther Burden. Five-star Theo East Jr. Four-star Mookie Cooper. Four-star Courtney Crutchfield, who I just mentioned. Four-star James Madison. And then you got a couple of three stars in Miller and Johnson. That's a pretty good wide receiver core coming back from Mizzou next year. So two five stars, three four stars, and two two, two three stars. Two three stars. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can uh, say thank you to Luther Burden for a lot of this? You know, for committing to Mizzou and initially wasn't, and then all of a sudden he's back in. He comes in, puts up big numbers. They show that they can win big games. They're a top ten program right now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, the, the credit goes to, and again, the coaching staff recruiting. I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. I mean, that's yeah. that's not debatable, getting these kids. But, man, Luther Burden committing and then putting up numbers, I just think a lot of credit goes to him showing the way. I think I think a lot of I think it, I think it's all cyclical. If you look at Mizzou, whether or not they can recruit, yes, it's it's Drink's ability to 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 go into a family room and say, hey. Trust, trust me that your son's going to be in better shape coming to me at Mizzou than going to Texas or Alabama or wherever. So that's it's that. But you also have to have the results. We can talk about the process all we want. Do you have the results? And last year, Mizzou had the results. There were loan losses, as we know, to LSU when they had the game. You know, they they were in control of that game early on. Unfortunately, they lost. Jaden Daniels won the Heisman. So. You know, Jaden Daniels got a couple of teams, a couple of defenses this year. You also lost to Georgia, of course, the three-time uh, national or two-time national champion. Two-time. That's it. And you played Georgia tough last year too. So you win games, you win your primetime matchups, you convince kids that this program is building something. And they also got, and this is huge, they got former Oklahoma offensive tackle Caden Green who is the number one offensive lineman in the transfer portal. We can talk about all the wide receivers, and that's great. If you can't protect, forget it. It's moot. So they got an absolute road grader in this kid, Caden Green, coming in. That's huge for them. I think rivals started doing individual rankings. You know, Anthony's number one, Marshy's number eight, Mm -hmm. this guy's number 13. And so for the first time ever, all top 10 recruits are committed to 10 different schools. First time ever. Wow. And so NIL isn't just uh, causing talent to consolidate, which I think I had the opinion that it would. I'd say to Anthony, hey, let's go do a super team. We're going to go to Georgia and we're going to go together. Yeah. That's not necessarily the case right now. It's kind of the opposite where a lot of these players are getting NIL deals. These schools are being very, very creative in how they, they do this, and Mizzou is at the forefront of that. I think that's something you have to look at, too, is, is you know they've been creative in getting these kids in, and that's sure. another part of what's happening right now. Well, it goes to show you, too, how, how short-sighted – I was going to say stupid. It's not stupid. How short-sighted was Dabo Sweeney 
for not using the transfer portal. I get the idea of, hey, we're going to build a culture here. We're going to recruit and guys. You can do and some of that. You could do, but you you could still do that by using the transfer portal too. It's not. Yeah. It's not illegal. Yeah. So for Dabo Sweeney, and he's finally he's starting to use the transfer portal. I'm sure he's doing it begrudgingly now, but you you have to. It's part of recruiting. And I know a lot of people don't like the NIL stuff. It's a bit of a wild, wild west situation, but it's better than these kids going to a program that is going to use their name, image, and likeness to build monstrous buildings and new stadiums a la Texas A&M when they had Johnny Manziel, and Johnny Manziel had a, had a side hustle just to get, just to get money for his, his own autograph. I, I hope that there's maybe an in-between that, that college football finds on this because I do think, again, we've, we've gone so far the other way that it's, it's created this, I keep using the same term, but wild, wild west, but uh, it's, it's better than just the, the haves raking in money off a kid that's going to be there for a couple of years and the kid not, not receiving any monetary payment for that. If I'm a Mizzou fan going into next year, I'm sitting there saying it's college football playoff or bust. You know, after the win against Kansas State, which was huge, I don't think it gets enough recognition. You beat that team, mm-hmm. you win with the Mevis, 78-yarder or whatever it was. I think it was, Kidding. A, I think it was a 93. Yeah, 94 and a half, whatever Felt like it was. It. Felt like it. Kicked it the length of the field. <laughs> and he he knocks that through, and you wind up winning that game. Yeah. That set the tone for the rest of the season. You're right. And if they don't win that game, I'm not sure we're talking about some of these kids coming to Mizzou. No, you don't want to. Dan, to your point. Are we talking about some of these kids come come here? If you get run by Kentucky the week after, that's another one. You lose to to LSU. They're down fourteen, 14 nothing. nothing. Early on, you're thinking, okay, well, season season's going to go off the rails here. Instead, you come back, you mount that comeback in the second half, and wind up pulling away pretty comfortably. Do kids come here if you don't? You know, if you blow the Florida game, a game that you you know, the Florida was competitive that night, but you, you should have had that in, in, you know, wrapped up and you didn't. And you had that, that big, you know, you had the big drive and then another Mevis kick. There's a couple of these games that could have gone either way that have gone against Mizzou in the past that went for them this year to, to the credit of the players and the coaching staff. And now you're reaping the rewards with some of these kids going to, to your school. I remember when Macklin was going and Chase Daniel and they had, they had talent, they had great talent, got to, you know, number one in the country, and the season was highly anticipated. I can't remember, though, a time, and we're going to be talking in, you know, August about this team starting camp. Mm-hmm. I can't remember a time, if you're a Missouri fan, that you will be as, as excited about a team coming back. And now with a 12-team playoff, and you sit there, and you're going to finish in the top 12 this year. Yeah. And you're going to say, that's a college football playoff team. I agree. You know, there's going to be anticipation like we haven't seen in years no in doubt. Columbia. That's Dan McLaughlin. He's filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. We've got our sports six-pack next. So if you've got a question, send it to the Air Comfort Service text line, and we'll, uh, we'll answer it next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is now. (laughs) 
It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Time for our Sports 6. Back, Dan. Uh, before we start that, though, little news. If you're a Cardinals fan, Yuki Matsui, left-handed reliever from the NPB, is close to signing with the Padres. No! Pending physical. Thanks a lot, Mo. And he visited uh, Bush Stadium last week. Unbelievable. So that's some news concerning the Cardinals. Question one, please. Question number one. Mike Schilt recruiting. Oh, oh there you go. Is that's this, your question? Is, the is he the best Diego recruiter? Is he, is he better? Is he a better recruiter than Ollie? Stop it. Do you think the San Diego Zoo is better than the free zoo here in St. Louis? Nothing's better than the free zoo in St. Louis. Well, then I don't. I don't want that guy. That's true. I that's, don't want him. It's a good call. Anyways, question number one from the three one four. Care to give your thoughts? Of Major League Soccer pulling their main teams out of the Open Cup competition. This is a big deal. What happened, Dan? So if you're a soccer fan, the Open Competition would be, for just trying to dumb this down, lesser teams that don't have television money, they don't have uh, the revenues that are coming in from what we see here with MLS, they have a chance in this Open Competition to play MLS teams. And when they play... They make a lot of money, so it keeps it going. This is America's sport, one of them. And when they have decided to pull out, that's really going to have an effect on the lesser teams. And you see upsets all the time, if they are upsets. You see the lesser teams beat MLS teams. It happened here in St. Louis a few years ago uh, out at uh, out in Fenton at the soccer park, and the place went nuts. It was one of the great wins locally recently in soccer. So when they pull out like this, it's kind of not a good look for MLS because that helps fund some of these lesser organizations mm -hmm. get through the year with their players, with the costs associated with keeping a franchise. So why would it? Why would MLS pull out? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a situation where they're jumping into other things, which I think is part of it, but also the, the fact that you're playing the lesser teams and sometimes you don't win those games. I wonder if that is a part. I don't know the exact answer, mm -hmm. but it's probably for some – that are listening right now, not a good look for the sport, for sure. Question two, please. Question number two. From the 636, if the Blues were able to get one of the Kachuk brothers, which one would you prefer and why? You can't go wrong with either guy. Yeah. Tough, uh, tough score, get in leaders. front of the net. Absolutely. I'll, I'll go with the one that has had more overall success. Now he's played on better teams thus far, but... I think he's part. He's a big part of that. Is Matthew, and we'll see him Thursday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he should be a blow right now. I wish Matthew was here. Yeah, there. It, it does beg the question right now. You know, the Blues, even when they weren't great, but they were so entertaining. They always had star power. Star power would bring fans to the rink. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Brett Hall, you had Adam Oates, Wayne Gretzky. You had Wayne Gretzky, albeit briefly, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a lot of star power on this team. There's complimentary players, and maybe Robert Thomas turns into one of those stars. He's a point-per-game guy. Uh, maybe Jordan Cairo is another one that, that becomes, as he evolves and develops in this contract, a 40-goal scorer, if yeah. not more. Then you'd get him, but... Uh, there's not a lot. Would you agree with that? There's not a ton of star power right now with this there, team. There is not. I mean, if you're talking about an absolute star, you're talking about the other 30, 31 teams. There's 32 in the NHL. Mm. 31 teams saying, I know exactly who that player is. I don't think the Blues have that right now. I think Bennington could be that guy. But he's you know he's a he's a goaltender so I don't know from a national perspective if 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 he could be a star but I also think that 
stars are, are, are typically born in the postseason. Like, That's I a good Ma- point. I thought Matthew Chuck emerged as a superstar in the playoffs last year with what he did. And then later you found out how dinged up he was oh, playing through the injuries. And, I mean, they were severe injuries and played through it. Yep. Um, I had a friend of mine that was in a box for the MLS game in, in the summer, and it was after the hockey season. He said he was in a box with, like, three different hockey guys that went deep into the playoffs. All of them had, like, something on their wrist. Another one was in a sling. Another guy had something wrong with his shoulder. I couldn't sit. I mean, these guys just get beat up, man, yeah. when they play. It's amazing. They go through the gauntlet. Question three, please. Question number three. Speaking of the gauntlet, we need a new gauntlet contestant. All right, so text for today. In. So text your yeah. comfort service text line 314-399-9646. All right, question number three from the 314. How much of an impact do you think Yadier Molina will have on this year's Cardinals team? Something tells me. So let's just assume for a second here that Yadi Yadi's with the team in spring training, most of it, all of it, but that's it. Okay, let's just assume that for right now. Because we don't know. We don't know what his involvement's going to be during the regular season. I think we're gonna over I think we're going to inflate Yachty's impact or lack thereof if he's just in spring training. It's let, a long season. Okay, let me counter that. What if uh Wilson Contreras comes out way better defensively, and I'm not saying he can, and I'm not saying it'll happen, but for argument's sake, what if he comes out way better defensively than you saw a year ago? If he's way better than we will highlight the fact exactly. that he worked with Yachty in spring training. I mean, it makes sense why you bring him in. You got $78 million wrapped up in your catcher. I mean, yeah. it's a massive investment. Um, I also will be curious when he's around, and let's say it's a homestand of 10 games, the approach of watching how pitchers attack certain hitters mm-hmm. and just their game planning with that. He was telling you, he's, he's tremendous at seeing what you don't see. And he's great at, at taking advantage of players and understanding the uh, the strengths of his own pitching and the weaknesses of the others and just thinking through a game. He'll adjust in a game like nobody's business. And I, I think that could be impactful for the Cardinals. Certainly. Question four, please. Question number four. All right, sticking with the cards. Simple question from the 636. With the way the cards have constructed their roster thus far, over or under on 90 wins? Mm. I'm going to say under, but they get into a wild card situation with, let's say, 88 wins. I'm probably shooting too high. Even with the balanced schedule, Dan, I think you continue to bring up a good point about the NL Central. Like, where is the NL Central going? Are these other four teams just going to sit on their hands? I can't imagine the Cubs, when you invest $40 million into your manager, don't go out and give him the the necessary tools to be as competitive as you can be. What what the hell are they waiting for? I'm not sure. Or have they missed out on guys that we just haven't heard about? Right. Could be. Uh, But for now, I'll go under as well. I think think they win 87 games. Yeah, we're 87-88. That'd be a solid year. You get in and see what happens. Get in and who knows? Just see what happens. (laughs) Question five, please. Question number five. A bunch of people just threw up again. (laughs) From the 314, I hear it more with hockey and baseball about players needing to develop. So with the four major sports, what is the peak athletic age? In baseball, I think it's, I think your prime 
is 26 to 32. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's yeah. the prime. Yep. I think in hockey, it's similar. I think it's 26 to 32. The same. I was going to say 26. Yeah. I think in football, your prime is 24 to 28. I'd say even earlier. Coming out of college, yeah. or do you need a do you 22. need a year to get? So you say you're 22, you come out, maybe that, that first not year, that, yeah, the you first get year. So the 17 game schedule, speed of game, all that, yeah, yeah, 20. So 22 to 28, and your shelf life is about that anyway. Yep. So there is there a prime with football? Uh, I always look at it as just how long I could inv- uh, stay in the league with yeah. my body. And it's also depending on what position you play too. That's true. Like if you're a running back, it's a, it's like 22 to 25, 26. Yeah. If you're a receiver, it's a little bit longer, quarterback a little bit longer. I would have said in the steroid era when they were giving guys like 6-year deals when they were 32, 33, yeah. your prime was unlimited. Yeah. During the steroid era, I think your prime was uh, 22 to about 55. (laughs) (laughs) It seemed to be that way with certain guys. Uh, Basketball, I think, is a little younger. Yeah. I think basketball, you you can be in your prime. We get one year college sure and then or you go play pro for one year over in europe and then you're in yeah so that's like 22 to 28 even earlier maybe mm-hmm. i mean some yeah, guys come in get, right and they're 19 20 years old man and they're yeah. ready to roll yep all Interesting. right thank you for the sports six pack we got our gauntlet next on 101 espn we're right back to the fast lane podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Four oh five. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. Dan's going to be with me the entire show tomorrow as well, two to six, right here on one hundred and one ESPN. So Dan, uh, Dan, and I got a uh, whole show for you tomorrow. We do have the early off time tonight because Blues start pre-game. Blues hockey. Yeah, five o'clock. But we got the gauntlet now. Paul joins us. What's up, Paul? How's it going, guys? Going good. Uh, first time in the gauntlet. No, I did it before when Ron was there. Okay, so Gauntlet, Gauntlet 1.0. Yeah, and then I beat Randy when he had the 4 o'clock fight. I was like the third Hall of Famer. So Ooh. I need to try and get this trophy oh, and then wow. win the whole thing next year like you guys just did. Oh, the, the Gauntlet playoffs. What? Paul comes in motivated. All right, uh, Paul, you taking on Marsh or me today? I'm going to go with you, Mr. Salter. Oh, man, now I'm. I'm kind of nervous. All right, Paul. Good luck, kid. Thanks, you too. You'll need it. Thank you. Oh! oh, oh get out of shots here! Shots fired. Wow! Better get your game face on. Wow. Wow. Pack that lunch now, bud. Oh, my goodness. He couldn't even hear that, but we'll let him know. All right, Paul, you know the drill. You tell me to spin the wheel, and we will get it going. Spin that wheel, Marshy. DJ Marsh Marsh. All right, Paul. So you mentioned that uh, you're pretty good at this. What category are you hoping to get today? Uh, I mean, if I was like wanting it to be true, I'd want football just so I could beat him in his own sport. But if I really want that trophy, probably random or hockey. Well, today is your lucky day. Hockey is the category because it is Anthony and he always gets hockey. 
He's a hockey and we're nerd. The lightning tonight, so uh, we might have some lightning questions in there. Let's go. All right. Well, that was uh, the theme the other day. They were taking on the stars, and it seemed like every single question revolved around the Dallas Stars. So, for those that do not know how the gauntlet works, each contestant will get four questions. If you get the question right without using the options, you get two points. If you have to use the options, you get it correctly, you get one. And of course, if you get it wrong, you get zero. Are you ready to go, Paul? Sure. All right, question number one. Which former Blues head coach was just fired from his assistant coach role in Ottawa? Give me the options. Options are Andy Murray, Davis Payne, or Mike Yo. Mike Yo. Final answer. Justin Falk was originally drafted by which team? Question two. Justin Falk was originally drafted by which team? Uh, I would... I'm going to say the Hurricanes because that's what we played for, so hopefully that's it. Final answer. Final answer, the Carolina Hurricanes. Question number three. The Blues have have two hat tricks this season, both in the same game. Pavel Buchnevich was one. Who was the other? Braden Shen, final answer. Name the team that plays their games at the Canada Life Center. Oh, jeez. Name the team that plays their games at the Canada Life Center. Uh, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark at one of these uh, Canadian teams. I'm going to say the Senators, final answer. Okay. All right, let's bring Anthony back in. How are you feeling after that, Paul? Oh, not too bad. All hey, Paul, right. what do you do for a living? I'm a store manager at Quick Trip. Okay. So do you get to listen a lot? Uh, Yeah, on the way home. Awesome. Say good afternoon to Anthony Stalter, please. How's it going again, Anthony? Uh, I don't know, Paul. How'd you do? Well, you better pack a lunch. Whoa! We didn't have to say it. Paul said it to you. Are you ready, Anthony? I like the trash talk, yes. All right. Question number one. Which former Blues head coach was just fired from his assistant coach role in Ottawa? Davis Payne. Final answer. Wow. <laughs> Look Hockey. at you. Coming Hockey out hot. again. Justin Falk was originally drafted by which team? Well, he came from the Hurricanes in that trade with the Blues. Uh, I don't know if he was drafted there. But something tells me I need to just start taking shots here. So I'm going to say the Hurricanes. Final answer. Question number three. The Blues have two hat tricks this season, both in the same game. Pavel Buchnevich was one. Who was the other? Wow. Buch was one. Uh, I don't know. Um, was it Robert Thomas? Shen, Cairo, Pareko. Should I just name all the blues? I'll take the options. I'll narrow it down here. Options are Robert the Thomas, oh boy. Braden Shen, okay. or Kevin Hayes. I feel like I would have remembered if it was Hayes. The fr my first response, my first gut feeling was was Robert Thomas. So I'll say Robert Thomas. Final answer. Question four. Name the team that plays their games at the Canada Life Center. Name the team that plays their games at the Canada Life Center. That would be the Winnipeg Jets. Final answer. 
How do you feel, Anthony? I feel good. I feel very good. Great. The only, the, yeah. Really great. Well, mm. depending on the, how that second question what went with uh, Justin Falk, if I, if I rolled the dice correctly, mm. I feel good about one and four. I feel okay about two, and I feel 50-50 on the third. All so right. overall, a score, a rating of, an, of a pretty good. Okay. Let's okay. go over the questions then. Let's just start with question number one. Which former Blues head coach was just fired from his assistant coach role in Ottawa? Paul, you took the options. You said Mike Yo. Anthony, you did not take the options. Immediately fired off Davis Payne. Correct answer is. And the options were Andy Murray, Davis Payne, Mike Yo. The answer is Davis Payne. All right. Two nothing for Anthony. Moving on to question number two. Justin Falk was originally drafted by which team? Both of you said the Carolina Hurricanes. Correct answer is? The Carolina Hurricanes. But none of you took no, the options. No, oh, you sandbagging. 4-2 in favor of Anthony. Heading to question number three. The Blues have two hat tricks this season, both in the same game. Pavel Buchnevich was one. Who was the other? Anthony, you took the options. You said Robert Thomas. You were 50-50 on that one, you said. Paul said Braden Shen. Correct answer is Braden Shen. And Paul did not need the <sighs> options. We got a tie ball game here, folks. Ah! Final question. Question number four. Name the team that plays their games at the Canada Life Center. Paul, you did not take the options. You said the Ottawa Senators. Anthony, you did not take the options. You said the Winnipeg Jets. We know from the options that were not given to both of you, but I can say right now, both were options. The other one was the Edmonton Oilers. If it is the Jets, Anthony wins. If Paul gets it right, that means it was the Senators. And if it's the Edmonton Oilers, gentlemen, we have a walk-off. Dan, the correct answer is? The Winnipeg Jets. Paul. You have chosen. Wrong Jets. Wrong sport. Oh. Mm. Maybe they do do that in Winnipeg, they though. They should not do that because that's that belongs to a mm. very bad franchise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul, I appreciate the smack talk. You came in here spitting fire, um, but we got to send you on your way. I'm sorry. That's all right. I beat you, or you beat me, I mean, in a sport that I would not have expected you to, so congrats, sir. You hey, did well. You know what? Thank you. If it makes you feel any better, I would never have expected that either. Me neither. No. No what? offense. <laughs> what the hell? Well, Paul came in hot. He had a lot of confidence. I almost picked the Jets. That was my second choice, so hmm. good call. Thank you, Paul. Hey, happy holidays to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. You too, guys. Merry Christmas. Thank Merry you Christmas. Christmas. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Dan, what the hell? Well, hockey's not your forte, and uh, but I'm very pleased that you were able to establish initially with the no options, Davis Payne. You, mm. you came out hot, and you know Paul was very aggressive in how he thought this was going to transpire, and, yeah. and I thought you did a hell of a job. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate Anthony, it. Anthony, do you like putting condiments, veggies... On your crap sandwich because that's exactly what that was. Yeah, does it make it taste better? Yeah, I mean it's still crap at the end of the day, yeah. but I guess a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you, you feel good with? about yeah. it though? Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah, feel I do. yeah, yeah. I mean th- that that Canada Life Center one. I mean you I'm, knew that immediately. I'm pretty good with I'm pretty good with stadiums. Ah, 
just one of those deals. Like I'm an idiot across the board with everything else, but stadiums and sports I feel pretty good about. And you could narrow it down to a uh, Canadian team. You could, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, go out yeah. on a limb, you got some choices. Sure, absolutely. Good job. Thank you, Dan. All right, that's the gauntlet here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We have What's Trending next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill to win a magical Polar Express staycation. With Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter, and here is Andrew March with What's Trending. Guys, I saw this on Front Office Sports. Amazon is reportedly in talks to invest in the bankrupt RSN operator Diamond Sports Group. Diamond Sports Group carries games through its Bally Sports channels for more than 40 teams, and a deal with Amazon would eventually put those broadcasts on Prime Video. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, for me, I, I would, I'd be okay with that. Sure. You know exactly where it's going to be. I don't know what the, the blackout... There shouldn't be any blackout restrictions because they're, they're buying that now. I'd be great with that. Don't have to is, worry about the cable company and the satellite coming up. No, just subscribe to Amazon. I think the number one problem that baseball has got is the blackout restrictions. I mean, you have to get to your fans. Your fans have to find it easily accessible to watch the games. Yep. To get the games. You, you have to find a way to do it, and this would clear the way, I would assume for most to be able to get it and so I, it's probably a good thing for the fan that's listening out there and wondering where is it like what am i going to get what how am i going to do this do i need to subscribe uh can i get it on my phone when i'm doing something outside in the backyard or i'm out the, the lake and i want to watch the game yeah. and blackout restrictions are a problem and it's not just here in st louis it's everywhere i to me it's the number one problem with the sport got to get it figured out yes have to get it figured out especially in a regional sport you're telling exactly your, it's a regional sport meaning we 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 may watch a little bit of national baseball but we mostly watch our cardinals so you're telling your fans in a region they can't watch their favorite team how how much sense does that make and you're trying to grow the sport grow the popularity but people can't get their their favorite team or they gotta they just gotta subscribe to mlb network or mlb.com when they don't want the entire league they just want the cardinals the hell out of here and for the teams you know number one to settle that but if you're able to get into more households that means you're able to promote johnny bobblehead Mm -hmm. and say oh i didn't realize that was going on i want to get down to the ballpark i'm gonna take my family i mean it's just for the teams it's a benefit just to make sure that you're promoting your product that's what it is you're promoting your product you think Major League Baseball is looking at the wrong things in terms of promoting the game because we see they're pushing towards rule changes. And while, sure, that was nice, the games are faster now if you're actually at the ballpark, but, I mean, we're, we're talking about it right now. This is a huge thing for people watching at home. They can't do that. So then what's going to entice them to go to the ballpark if they're not really keeping track of their favorite team, if they're yeah. a casual fan? I think Dan's right that the blackout situation needs to be needs to be fixed immediately, like yesterday. That's more important than how whether or not you got a pitch clock or whether or not you got bigger bags. Yeah, right. That's way more important. Can I see my favorite team? Beyond that, if my favorite team stinks, I'm not going to be interested. There's nothing the league can do about that. If my favorite team is a competitor, I'm going to be interested. I think that 
That is just bare bones, basic common sense. I know that some people get frustrated about the three true outcomes and they're tired of that and all. If your team is good, i.e. if the Cardinals are good, you're watching. You don't care. We could tell, we'd sit here talking ad nauseum about oh, the, the, the two, two home run happy and all that stuff. If your team hit eight home runs a game, you don't care. You're loving it. From a Cardinals perspective, too, it's a regional. It's not just St. Louis. I mean, we're talking a wide range. This is a regional team. Yes. This is not just the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, you're talking about Illinois. Right. You're going into parts of Nebraska and Oklahoma and mm-hmm. – you know, there there are people that want to watch these games that are not just you know they're miles and miles, hundreds of miles away. That well, if you're on the border of certain parts of the country, you might be getting the Chicago Cubs or you get the Minnesota Twins. Down south, you might get the Atlanta Braves. And this is a regional team. Yeah. That's what it is, and that's how they operate for the most part. So, yeah, they got to get that thing fixed. Get into households. Do you think there needs to be more storylines in baseball? I think storylines create themselves. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to pop with somebody, right? Like the Cubs and the Indians before they're, you know, the Guardians, Guardians now, but they're Indians at the time. When they played the World Series, we didn't know that the storyline was going to be so compelling that you had two teams that were trying to end droughts. And a lot of us watched. That was one of the more popular World Series nationally mm-hmm. in. I mean, oh, decades. A, a decade. Yeah. yeah. That brought in the casual fan. It did. So I don't know what a, what storyline is, is, is going to pop. And I think we try to, we assume we can figure it out. You can't. I, I would think like Otani, if he has a bigger presence. So postseason, if you have a chance to watch sure. him, a lot of people would watch him. I mean, I, I just felt he was buried with the Angels. Like he wouldn't, they play late. They play half their games on the West Coast and at home and play more than that because of their division. Mm-hmm. Just didn't see him. No. Mike Trout would be another one. You know, you hear so much about Mike Trout, but if you could see him in postseason play in prime time, helps the sport. Yeah, it does. Guys, Aaron Rodgers indicated that he will not return this season for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. He was on Pat McAfee, and if the Jets were in a playoff spot, he said it would be an absolute no-brainer, but they were eliminated. Went on to say, if I was 100% today, I'd definitely be pushing to play, but the fact is, I'm not. So Makes no sense for him to come back. No. The, Jet, the Jets have been el- officially eliminated from playoff contention. Why, why risk anything? Why bring him back? You know, they had. Uh, I wonder if if it was this time last week, and he was cleared to play. If he would have done it, it was a 02 percent chance that they were mathematically alive. Yeah. Now there was a lot of things that had to happen, but you were mathematically alive, mm-hmm. and so he's saying if we're mathematically alive, I would have played. Yeah. Now, is there any chance he would have made the playoffs? No. no. You got to be a realist about it, and for him to come out and just to show everybody, hey, look at how quickly I re- you know recovered and was able to come back from an Achilles injury makes no sense to me. No. Full off season, go at it next year. Yep. Did you guys see the Los Angeles Lakers how revealed a banner today for their in-season championship? How or maybe not today, but they revealed a banner. How embarrassing. It means so much to that organization and that city and and for them not to have a parade on top of it is something that I was very disappointed with. The Showtime Lakers, the Shaq Kobe Lakers, and then you do that, that's embarrassing. 
what's embarrassing is Detroit. Have you seen how many they've lost in a row? It's like 22 or 23 losses in a row. They're only like a handful of games, like three games away from setting the all-time record for consecutive losses. That's a proud – That's a. I, I, I worked in Detroit. A lot of regular regular listeners know. I worked in Detroit. We covered the Pistons. I was there in the Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. Fun era. Chauncey Billups. I mean, that was great. Larry Brown. Like yeah. That, that one was fun. Uh, Flip Saunders was their coach for a little while. That's a proud, proud fan base, proud organization, and they have fallen on hard times to say the least. I don't, I don't know if they care though. They got the Lions winning football games right now. I Very think they true. Definitely well, distracted trade. right now. Yes. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. They've seen so. The, so to your point, Marsh, the Detroit fan base right now, they've seen their Pistons win one. Mm-hmm. Like this, this group, this fan base, uh, they have no, no fan bases for Detroit is, in any era has seen the Lions win. So, they haven't had a call. home playoff game since Barry Sanders. He's been retired for a while, Dan. I was yeah. still in high school when he hung him up, and that that was a long time ago. When's the last time they won the division? Was like the Kennedy administration or something <laughs> like that? Oh, again, it's it's been a while for them. Why would you hang them? that banner? I mean, what's what it's, is the mindset of of doing that? That's Th- terrible. That's the. I just feel like that's how sports are now these days. Like, congratulate us. We did it. Yeah. It's a participation trophy. It's terrible. I mean, I know they won. There was competition. Guys got paid a little bit. But not one person in the seats cares to see that banner. It, if if it were another franchise, I would call it sad. This is just embarrassing. Yeah. Like if the Orlando Magic won and they hung it, I'd say, boy, that's sad. You know? God. Or even the Pacers. They were the team that they played in the final. Yeah. Clinging sad. to this. Yeah. Look at you. You're not even at Christmas yet. Yeah, like the Portland Trailblade. Like, oh, man, that's just sad. But this is embarrassing. You're the Lakers. I always looked at like the NBA season doesn't start until Christmas anyway. I completely agree. You have all the, the games coming up on Christmas. You play all those. I bet the NFL goes, hold my beer. Yeah. We're going to we, play. We got plenty of games for you this Sunday. <laughs> and on Christmas Eve. It used to be. The NBA was like, hey, at least we got one day. We're going to have to compete with you. And NFL goes, eh, okay. Yeah, we got plenty. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe Vitale is going to join us next. Will they break down this Blues-Lightning matchup next here on 101 ESPN? We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. Whoa! This is The View from Vitale. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company. A proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Dan McLaughlin, I'm Anthony Stalter. Let's head to our 101 ESPN Celebrity Line. We've got our guy Joe Vitale, who will be on the call tonight for the Blues Radio Network alongside Chris Kerber down in Tampa. What's up, Joe? Yo, boys, what's going on? It's, it's sunny and hot down in Tampa. Hope it's hope it's Sunday warm there in St. Louis for you. Joe, you know it's not. Why do you have to do that? You did that I'm a couple not- of weeks ago, too, when you were out, out in Cali. Listen, I just love rubbing the salt in the wound. You know me. I'm a hockey guy. Well, uh, checking the schedule around. You're going to be back here soon, Joe. I know. Too soon. Too soon. No, I'm looking forward to coming back for Christmas, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, what do you expect tonight, Joe? Just uh, <laughs> let's dub? get right to it. What do you expect tonight? I'm, I'm expecting a fast game so I can get my butt to Fort Lauderdale ASAP. Tomorrow's a day off. I'm going to be sitting on the beach all day. Don't uh, tell my wife. Hopefully she's not listening. No, she's She'll not. She'll be home with the... 
she'll be home with the five kids. School's out. She's probably got gingerbread things going on and cookies and mayhem, but I'll be on the beach. But I'm going to tell her I have a lot of work to do that day. No, I'm looking forward to a good game tonight. It should be a fun one. 5-0 shutout when the Tampa Bay Lightning came to town there there in November. A shutout there for Jordan Bennington. He's had great numbers against Tampa, guys. And it's going to be a good test here tonight as Tampa's coming off the road. First game back. Sometimes you can get a little bit complacent in your first game on home ice. And certainly the Blues looking to make it three in a row here and Keep climbing under Drew Bannister, but it was a good morning skate this morning. It should be a fun tilt tonight. Hey, Joe, from what you know about Jordan Cairo, could this be a bit of a you know fork in the road? Dan phrased it, fork in the road moment just this season. Not necessarily his career, but just this season. From what you know of Cairo, could this be the moment where maybe things start to click for the young player? Yeah, I think so. I think that you know sometimes you, you deal with a little adversity. You get kind of punched in the mouth a little bit. You know, a lot of it was self-induced. He realizes that. I think it was a good learning lesson for everybody, including Jordan. And, you know, now he's on a top line with Pavel Buchnevich and Robert Thomas. And those guys have looked terrific over the last two games. I had a great chat with Robert Thomas this morning. And these three are just feeling it. They're stepping over the boards with confidence and swagger. And they got the feeling, as Robert told me this morning, that they just can't screw anything up. And that, that's a really good feeling as a player. Uh, you got your line mates all clicking. You got the chemistry. You got the communication. Uh, everyone's anticipating each other's moves so well, which has been leading to great offense. Uh, so for Jordan Cairo, I think that uh, this could definitely be something that propels him forward. Certainly a roller coaster of emotions. Last week, uh, number one star last game. You hear the crowds. You heard the cheers. You saw the smile on Jordan Cairo just 48 hours after cheers. So, you know, it's, it's a lot going on. It's the sport of hockey. It's the ebb and flows. It's the ups and the downs and the peaks and the valleys. And I think he's managed it very, very well. He's got great support from his teammates. And I know that, you know, for a Kairou and for a Thomas specifically, you know, I think this coaching change, I think it's been a good thing specifically for those two players. Young players, calmer players, players that like to go out there and just play. This isn't a knock on or knock on, you know, Craig Berube. Certainly they, those two players would be the first to tell you how much they love Chief. It's just a different vibe right now with Drew Bannister on the bench. He doesn't say much. He lets the players go out there and just play. He's got a very calm demeanor. You know, Chief was kind of the opposite. He was a, a, a high-tempo, high-octane, emotional guy. He, he prided himself on trying to really get a lot out of the players by being that rah-rah type. And some players respond really well to it. I think for a while there, the younger players did. I think maybe it wore on them a little bit. And certainly now with Drew Bannister in the seat, I think that you're starting to see some of the younger players really find their stride, including Jordan Cairo. Outside of that, what are some of the, the technical differences that you're you're just picking up on? And I know it's early. You've been to morning skates. You're, you're watching practices. But maybe some of the differences that you're seeing from just a week ago. You know, Danny, I think that we've seen a lot more uh, attention to detail in morning skates. You know, and, you know, keep in mind, morning skates, are they're different for everyone. You know, there's half the guys on this Blues team that love morning skates. There's half the guys that hate morning skates. You know, for fans out there, yes, they skate the morning of the game. It wasn't something players used to do. It was actually Scotty Bowman was the first coach to implement this, and he did it uh, for a lot of fans who don't know because a lot of the old-school 70s and 80s players of the Detroit Red Wings would, you know, go out and get after it, especially on the road the night before, and he wanted to get the guys up early in the morning and sweat out whatever they did the night before. So that was kind of the reason behind the morning skate. Now, nowadays, it's, it's very different, right? Players are much more responsible. Guys are very in tune with their bodies and, and what they need to do to take care of their bodies heading into games. And they're far more professional, I think, in a lot of ways than they were you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, but at the same time, the morning skate still has been implemented. Uh, you see a lot more optionals these days. But, but a couple morning skates we've seen under Drew Bannister, including the one we saw this morning, 
a little bit different of a look than, than Craig Berube. And, you know, Craig Berube was one, you know, get him out there, get him loose. The same, you know, four blue line routine. He makes a couple passes, get a couple shots, and then call it a day. Drew Bannister, it's not 20 minutes. It's more like 35, 40 minutes. It's almost double the time, it seems. I think he's managing rest appropriately on the off days, but morning skates have a lot of detail to it. There's there's rhythm to it. Uh, there's purpose behind it, and there's there's a there's a little, little more energy, I would say, for the morning skates. We saw it for the first time there against the Ottawa Senators. It proved to be a great start for the Blues, and I know Drew Bannister, of course, with the longer morning skate this morning, especially more attention to the power play. Uh, looking for that same start here against this Lightning group. Joey Vitale joins us right now on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. He'll be alongside Chris Kerber tonight as the Blues take on the Lightning. Joe is the num- when it when it's all said and done on the ice. Is Drew Bannister's number one priority the special teams? Absolutely, 100, percent no doubt. I mean, I talked to Kevin Hayes about this last week. I said, Kevin, I mean, literally, give me one thing. If you guys change one thing. Could you guys be in a different spot? He said, he said, Joe V, listen, it's one thing. If we get our power play clicking even a little bit, we don't even need to be top 10 in the league. Let's just put ourselves in the middle of the pack. I'm not even going to call it special team stalls. I'm going to say PK's been good. It's been good enough. Mm-hmm. It's just the power play. You get that power play clicking, man, I tell you what, uh, they had a great power play goal against the Dallas Stars. It proved to be a difference. It was a difference maker in the game. Without a doubt, it was a difference maker in that game. The Blues came from behind, a 2 nothing uh, deficit that came from behind, and that Brandon Todd power play goal was a huge reason for that. It's going to give you life. It's going to give you a little bit of jump. It's going to get you back in games, or it's going to give you an insurance goal late to prove some wins. You know, with the Blues, as dreadful as it's been for the first third of the season, if they can figure out a way to go from 8 9%, which they were a lot this year, let's get that up to 16 17%. Again, you're not at the top. You're just in the middle of the pack. That's the difference of another five, six, seven goals over the next 10 to 15 games. Well, five, six, seven goals, that could be a difference of, you know, four, maybe five more wins, which is 10 more points, which puts you in a playoff spot where you're on the inside looking out. Or the set said, if you don't get those goals, now you're the outside wanting to be in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me is the biggest difference. They have a penalty kill that's good enough. They have the goaltending that's good enough. Their five-on-five play has been pretty consistent all year long, uh, except for a couple of bruisers here and there. But for the most part, five-on-five has been there. So I think if, if you just continue to get the power play going in the right direction, uh, certainly build some momentum off that Dallas game, you can be in a good spot. Brad Richards, of course, is in the building here today. We saw him there at Morning Skate. He's going to be the power play consultant working side-by-side with Steve Ott. And like I said, almost 300 goals as a player. 32% of them came off the power play, so he certainly knows his stuff on the power play. I saw him this morning talking to Drew Bannister. They were t- talking about the board, talking about the net front, and, and certainly they got great minds on top of it. Now can the players go out there and execute it? So he had 11 players on the Blues roster that, that he coached in the AHL. And so he's familiar with some of this roster, and then he's not familiar maybe with some of the veterans. Do you see veterans buying in with a new voice, new voice behind the bench, different way of doing things? Do you you got to get buy-in from the veterans. Do you see that so far? You know, Danny, it's, it's a great question because you're right. You're, you're going to get buy-in right away from the new, the young players, right? We know the Scott Prunoviches, the Mackenzie McEachrins, right, the Tyler Tuckers. They've been with this coach. They know exactly what it is, and you're going to get a lot of jump from them. Even a player like Jordan Bennington. He coached Jordan Bennington in San Antonio. A lot of people don't realize this. He actually coached Jordan Bennington in the juniors as well, in the Sioux. So he's been around a lot. He's seen a lot of these players. But the big question mark is, how do you get buy-in from the veterans? Well, there's one answer. You get buy-in from the veterans when you start winning. I mean, that's plain and simple. I mean, you got to see results. I mean, for a lot of these older guys, you know, the Brandon Saad, the Tory Crew, the Justin Falk, these guys have been on the league a long, long time. Nick Letty, right? They, they have their ways about them. You're not going to change much about them. It's like an old dog. You're not going to teach an old dog new tricks. But when you start winning, 
right? You start you start backing that up with some wins, and you start to say, oh, this guy may know what he's talking about. And then all of a sudden, you get more buy-in from the veterans because everyone loves the win, and that that feeling, of course, it is very contagious. And I think with the two wins we've seen so far, you're starting to see these veterans with a lot more buy-in. You're starting to see a power play to start to take off and give some guys a little bit of jump. You know, there's there's a lot of individuals on this team that you know, yes, they're playing for the team, but every individual's got a motivation. You know, I had Todd Reardon in, 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 the, in the minors, and he'd come in before most games. We'd have guys that played 800 games in the National Hockey League. I, at the time, hadn't played zero. He said, everyone's got a motivation. Everyone's got something that they're trying to get to. You know, maybe, maybe you want to get to the NHL. Maybe you want to play one more year to support your family. Whatever it is, you've got to figure out what that is. So we have veterans on this team. You know, whether it be a Sammy Blay, who's a UFA, Scott Prudovich, is a UFA. Kevin Hayes, right? He's another player that still wants to prove this league wrong, right? I think he had spent a couple of years in Philly, dropped off a little bit. They were, of course, were sellers on him over the summer, and now he's got nine goals looking at double digits early. He could have 20, 25 goals this year if he keeps running that he's going. So everyone's got a motivation. Everyone's got something that's going to drive them. And I think for Drew Bannister, with those wins piling up, you're going to start seeing individual success more. And then, of course, as we know, it's just a snowball effect in the right direction. Joe, great stuff, man. We uh, we look forward to l- uh, listening to you tonight as the Blues take on the Lightning, and we'll check back with you next week. Sounds good, boys. Always a pleasure. You guys have a great week. You too. Thanks, Joe. See ya. What you miss? Criticisms, compliments next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I got Dan McLaughlin. We'll be back tomorrow with us from 2 to 6. Uh, right here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. If you miss anything from today's show, including a Blues Power Hour with Jamie Rivers from 2 to 3. Power Hour. A I like blues that. Power Hour. Got to be a power power outage tonight in Tampa. If you know oh, my. I mean. Nice. I don't know if it works, but it kind of works. Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. you can download the podcast. Uh, Marsh gives it a, a 3 out of 10 on that one. Kind of surprising. Tampa's out of a playoff spot if it ended today. Yeah. Usually they're powerhouse. Yes. Mm. I see, see how I did that. That was good. Thanks. That was real good. Yeah. yeah, way to build. Mm. So Do you guys bad. know what the powerhouse of the uh, the cell is? The powerhouse of yeah, the or, cell? Uh, the powerhouse cell. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. Sounds like a battery. Mitochondria. Oh. I think it's the powerhouse cell. Did you really? learn that in a random? No, I learned that in school, actually. <laughs> really? You. Yeah. That just I stuck think in there, right. huh? I think it's stuck, right. That's stuck in the old The text line seller? will have to confirm. They know more than I do. The random uh, trivia on the on the gauntlet is interesting. It is interesting. You learn something. Tough to pronounce. <laughs> Sometimes they're very tough to pronounce. I, the other day when I was in here filling in, I handed. I said, why don't you do question three? Do you yeah. remember this? Yeah, you do that to me all the time. Yeah, I have no Especially idea how hockey. to pronounce it. Yeah. Oh, that happened to me because Dan was like, you know what? I think I'm going to take this first question. I go, okay. <laughs> and then I looked at the the second question. There's a bunch of names that yeah, with, you know, were with, difficult. With three four, under the bus. With four nouns right in a row. <laughs> yeah. They're not nouns. I'm an idiot. Uh, vowels. Vowels. Thank you. Yeah. yeah 16, 16 mm-hmm. vowels right in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some name. Anyway, so you can download know. The, you can download the podcast on 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app brought to you by Dobbs Tyron Auto Centers. What do we got for criticisms and compliments? Well, yeah, uh, from the 618, it is the powerhouse of the cell. So okay. uh, that is mitochondria. This one comes from FedEx Brian. Compliment to Stalter, who took the trash, ta- uh, took the trash talking on the chin 
and turned around and sent another gauntlet contestant running for the hills. LOL, one of these days, Mars is going to pick me. We're going to have some fun. Have a great night, guys. Yeah, thank you. Why don't you just pick him right now for tomorrow? Yeah, there you go. Okay. We need a new we need a new gauntlet contestant, right? Yeah. FedEx Brian. Let's just make sure that FedEx Brian hasn't hasn't been in the gauntlet before, and then if not, you're good. Am I not supposed to be able to do that? Dan, you can do whatever you want. Okay, then. He's in. He's in. Marsh. Did you yeah. hear Dan? Yeah, no, no. I, it's already, I wrote it down. <laughs> okay. I wrote it down. Actually, I didn't write it down, but I'll write it down right now. You'll remember. FedEx Brian. FedEx Brian. If you can remember the powerhouse cell, you can remember FedEx Brian 100%. for tomorrow's gauntlet. There you go. Uh, we have one from the 636. We were talking about the week back earlier in the show from the 636. I first heard the week back joke on an episode of Three Stooges. Hmm. Mm. Not this episode of the Three Stooges, but I guess the ones with uh, Mo, Larry, and uh, Curly. Curly, that's yeah. right. They say that all the time in the morning show. Right. So okay. Marsh, Marsh read a text from Thanks Dad that was that week back joke. Ah, okay, got it. And uh, Marsh goes, ah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then we had to tell Marsh that they say it all the time on the morning show. Gotcha. I have a week back. When did it happen? About a week, week back. back. Yeah, right. Got it. Which, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. <laughs> so FedEx Brian has First confirmed time. that he is uh, he's good to go. <laughs> nice. Uh, but we have UPS George is trying to text in, throw his ring, his hat in the ring as well. Okay. FedEx and UPS. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like we got a little uh, competition going there for who wants to be in the gauntlet. But we already wrote down that FedEx Brian will be our contestant. Well, maybe tomorrow. UPS Joe can uh, join us on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'm just booking guests. And then maybe Amazon here. Amazon Alex. Alex can join us on Friday. Yeah. I think it makes sense. Yeah. All the sense in the world. There's a theme to that. There's there's a theme. Setting up a theme. Uh, Who doesn't like a good theme? Am I right? Absolutely. With the gauntlet no. the other day, the whole the whole theme revolved around the Dallas Stars. And I figured it out. You did. I figured out that jigsaw puzzle. You broke the code. How do I get hockey all the time? I don't know. I even like shuffled. It's legitimate too. I, mean, I watched everything around today. I know. I've been filling in a lot and a lot over the summer, and I would bet eight out of, let's just say, every ten is hockey for you. Correct. That's just a fact. You get a lot of hockey. I do. And you're an expert. I mean, the way well, you came out with Davis Payne. Thank you. I mean, you didn't even let me get the question out. That you was Davis impressive. Payne. Yeah. More impressive, Davis Payne or the Winnipeg Jets playing at the Air Canada Center? Or Life uh, Center, whatever it is. Wow, that's a good question. Um, I'd say Davis Payne. Because you knew I like stadiums. Well, actually, you know what? I'd actually say the Winnipeg Jets because they used to play at the MTS Bell Center. That's they right. They changed the name, so kudos to you for figuring that out. Thank you. Pretty good. Thank you. Pretty We've, good. We got Blues hockey. You got pregame starting in less than five minutes, and then you got Blues dominating the faces of the Lightning, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of game are you expecting being a hockey guy? I got a four-deuce win for the Blues. I like that. And we'll break it all down tomorrow in the fast lane at 2 o'clock with Dan McLaughlin. Uh I'm Anthony Stalter. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.